I'm glad to be with you in worship today. I'm eager to share with you some of what we have learned at Church for All People about how to put faith into action in ways that transform our community. Now, I've written in depth about some of our experiences in a new book that's entitled A Front Porch for All People. This morning, I'd like to begin with the affirmation that you and I dwell inside a divine economy of abundance. Scarcity is simply a false myth. God ordered creation, so there's more than enough of every good gift for every good purpose, as long as we share forward the best of what we have received. Now, the truth about this divine economy of abundance is something that we at Church for All People learn through our free store. Now, the free store is pretty much just what the name suggests. It's a store where we distribute gently used clothing and household items absolutely free of charge whoever comes to shop. We launched the free store way back in 1999. At that time, I was a district superintendent in the United Methodist Church, and I was responsible for 78 of the congregations here in central Ohio. Well, we came up with the idea of creating a kind of local focus for mission, and we decided to call it the free store. The idea was pretty simple. We just invited people in all of these different churches to gather up gently used clothing and household items from their homes, their basements, attics, things they didn't want anymore, and to bring them down to this storefront that we had rented, and we were going to give it away to the people who came to shop. Well, the free store took off in ways that we had never anticipated. First of all, we were quickly overwhelmed, flooded with shoppers. And maybe that shouldn't have been such a surprise. I mean, after all, it was a store where everything was free. No one was ever turned away. And furthermore, the merchandise changed every single day because we were simply giving away what people brought to us. And so we quickly began to get larger and larger numbers of people shopping to the point that now, it's been true for many years, we serve over 20,000 folks annually who receive clothing and other items from the store. Maybe that part shouldn't have been a surprise. But what did surprise us, caught us absolutely off guard, is that we have never run out of good things to give away. Early on, we wondered if we were even though we'd stockpiled a lot of things, we wondered whether we'd run through all of that and then we'd have bare shelves and, and an empty storefront, but it's not what happened. No matter how many people came to shop, the donations always outpaced the number of people who came to receive. As a matter of fact, the biggest challenge in our free store to this day is to not be buried under the ongoing avalanche of donations. And so we ask ourselves why. It was a puzzle that led us, finally, back to the scriptures. And we probably should have started there, because the answer was right in front of our eyes on the very first page of the Bible. It's Genesis 1. For in Genesis 1, we are told that God made everything, God made it good, and God made it abundant. In the Garden of Eden, there's more than enough of everything for every purpose, for every person. Now, it's also true that you don't have to read very far into the book of Genesis to see that humans have an amazing capacity to strangle abundance into what seems to be scarcity. 
people's fear, their greed, the sense of power, um, a desire to hoard. There are all sorts of factors. But that Garden of Eden and its goodness quickly got shrunk and constrained as apparent scarcity. But at the risk of the spoiler alert, there's good news. If you go to the very last page of the Bible and open up and read the end of the book of Revelation, you discover it's all back. That abundance has returned. There's a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. There's, in essence, a new Garden of Eden, and there's more than enough for everyone. God began creation and ends the divine intention with abundance. Furthermore, if you read the rest of the book, which I highly recommend, we discover that scattered throughout all of Scripture, there are these amazing stories about the return of abundance. For example, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, we are told how Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and began to travel through the wilderness, and the people got scared. They got consumed with fears of scarcity, that there wouldn't be enough, that they would starve. And so Moses pleads to God, and God causes manna to rain down from heaven. It's this bread that covers the ground as if it was frost, and there was more than enough for everybody. Every day they'd go and gather the food to nourish themselves and their families. Moses warned them if they took more than they could use, it would just spoil. And the manna lasted throughout the entire 40 years in the wilderness. Now, my personal favorite story of how the economy of abundance reemerges in Scripture are the accounts of Jesus feeding the multitudes. Did you know that that is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels? My favorite version is the one that was read aloud from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. There we are told Jesus had been teaching and preaching, performing miracles all day long, and he had attracted this enormous crowd. And at the end of the day, Jesus turned to his disciples, and as a gesture of goodwill, he told them to feed the whole crowd. Well, the disciples immediately panic. They're consumed by this sense of scarcity. Despite everything they've seen Jesus do, this seems absurd. And they complain, telling Jesus there's just not enough food. And then they go on and say, you know, it would take six months worth of wages to get even a little food for all these people. And the implication is pretty clear that if the disciples actually had six months worth of wages, they'd probably want to use it on something else. But Jesus insists, and the disciples disperse. After a while, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, comes back and tells Jesus that he's found a boy who apparently didn't eat his lunch in the excitement, and this boy has five small barley loaves and two fish. And Andrew gives this to Jesus. Now, if Andrew had stopped at that point, I personally am convinced that Andrew probably would emerge, have emerged as the greatest of all disciples. It might have been him instead of his brother that became the rock upon which the church was built. But if you read that text carefully, Andrew immediately denigrates his own gift. He gives it to Jesus, but then says, but what good is it anyway when there are so many? He can't get beyond scarcity. Jesus, by that point, seems to have been pretty much frustrated with everyone. And so he tells his disciples, oh, just sit down. In fact, he tells the entire crowd, sit down. And then Jesus does 
his thing. He takes the bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks it, and then he just tells his disciples, I want you to give it to feed everybody. Now, if there is one moment in all of the Gospels, in all of Scripture, that I wish I could actually see, it would be this moment. If only somebody in that crowd had pulled out their uh, cell phone and began to shoot a video. I mean, can you picture it? There's Andrew and Peter and the other disciples, and, and they're taking these five small barley loaves, and they go to the front row, and they're probably muttering under their breath, saying, this has got to be the dumbest thing Jesus has ever asked us to do. It cannot end well. But as soon as they give some of the bread to a person in the front row and they take some of it and pass it on, it multiplies. Instead of being consumed, there's more than enough. The text tells us that everyone, all 5,000, ate and were satisfied and there was so much left over. Jesus sends out his disciples at the inn with large baskets to fill up the baskets, 12 of them with the fragments of what could not be eaten. It is this amazing story of abundance. When we share what we have, no matter how meager it seems to us, God takes it and multiplies it for God's purposes. Yes, the big message I have to share is that you and I dwell inside a divine economy of abundance that is triggered by generosity. Well, that's what we learned for the free store. But as we began to dwell with this amazing truth, we also began to wrestle with the next big question. What might happen if we began to give the best we had instead of just what was left over? I mean, think about it for a moment. I mean, the free store is a wonderful thing, but it operates on the principle that there are so many folks who have so much stuff they can't use anymore that we can invite people to give forward out of what they no longer even want. And, and it's a good concept. I love the free store. It's a flagship ministry. In fact, there are at least 80 other free stores based on this model that are scattered all across the country now. But we began to wrestle with the question, what if we gave the best instead of what was left over? And that led my wife and I and a handful of other folks a couple years after we opened the free store, to wrestle with this question, what's the best gift we ever got and what might we do with it? Well, to fast forward, we decided the best gift we'd ever received was faith in Jesus Christ. And so we birthed out of that free store what is now the United Methodist Church for all people. It is, in fact, the most diverse United Methodist Church in the country in terms of the intersection of race, black folks and white folks, with a wide economic uh, spectrum as well. About two thirds of the folks who are members of our congregation have income below the poverty level. So we created this church to share the best gift we'd ever received, faith. And then the church created community development for all people. It's a community development corporation that attempts to give forward out of the other blessings we've received. We put the free store inside the Community Development Corporation, and we began to ask ourselves, what else might we share? And so it's led us in a whole range of other types of ministries. For example, we now operate 
um, the All People's Fresh Market. It's this kind of funky urban uh, farmer's market located in a former drive-through beer and wine store. It serves over 30,000 folks a year and distributes simply fresh fruits and vegetables and dairy products. The whole goal is to help people eat healthier in order to live healthier. We've developed a wide array of programs for children, including an initiative to promote infant vitality to deal with the infant mortality crisis. We work with families with young kids to make sure they're kindergarten ready. We run after-school programs and, and a summer day camp called Freedom School. We've launched social enterprises such as our bike shop and coffee shop and an art, and an art gallery. We also got involved in the development of affordable housing. We heard so many people saying they wanted a safe, decent place to live. And so somebody entrusted to us one vacant blighted duplex. They gave us money to hire people from the neighborhood to fix it up. And we got started. We started small, but we started. And now that was in 20, excuse me, in 2005. And now in 2023, we've done $125 million worth of housing development on the South side. You see, we do live inside a divine economy of abundance. If we take what we have, no matter how meager it may seem to any of us, and if we give it forward, God will take what we offer and multiply it in amazing ways. That's what we've learned at Church for All People. And I am absolutely confident that that is the underlying divine reality for each and every church. It's certainly true for you at Broad Street uh, Presbyterian Church. You have so many gifts, so many assets, so many abilities. And if you decide to take what God's given you and risk stepping out in faith and giving a bit more of that forward, there's no limit to what God may do next. Yes, together, we can construct a front porch of the kingdom of God in our own communities. We can build a front porch for all people. May it be so in your life and in mine.